Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right. So we are joined here today by Andrew Song. Andrew, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My name's uh, Andrew, and I'm the one of the founders and the president of a new hearing aid company called Whisper. We're based in San Francisco, uh, a young company that's, um, uh, uh, I think, a genesis uh, and a combination of a lot of people who have a great passion in hearing, but also have expertise in things like artificial intelligence, hearing aid development, uh, and a lot of hearing aid care. So audiologists on our team. Um, and we just announced our product a few weeks ago. So excited to talk more about that as well. Yeah, no. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know, when I saw that you guys had, you know, raised the the second series that you had and um, took a little bit closer look at Whisper, whisper.ai, um, you really intrigued me for a number of different reasons, both you personally, but also the company. And so, you know, I reached out, wanted to get uh, some time to where we could really just chat because I do think this is particularly relevant for anybody that's interested in, you know, from the consumer and the patient side of things, looking at what types of things exist today. Um, I think you guys are taking a whole new approach, but also for the professional channel. I think that the fact that you are, um, you know, using and utilizing the professionals and the, you know, audiologists and um, leveraging them as a means to um, really distribute your product, I think is super, super interesting. So why don't we just kick things off. Tell us um, a little bit about your background. I know that you have a personal story as it relates to hearing loss. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, you know, your actual direct uh, sort of personal connection and, and then how that sort of spurred you to the point of co-founding Whisper. For sure. Yes. I know for many people in, who work in hearing, uh, myself included, there's often a, a moment or a person who uh, is their inspiration for getting into it. And, I, and I'm no different. Um, for me, uh, my inspiration is really my grandfather. Um, he, I think his story, um, maybe as I've worked in the industry, is not as unique as I thought it was, but uh, it was definitely surprising at the time. He, has, he suffers from hearing loss um, in, his, in his older age. Uh, and uh, when I discovered this, I knew I found out that he owned hearing aids because I discovered them in a drawer that he had. Um, just kind of sitting there unused. And I asked him about it. And of course, it's the typical conversation. Yeah, you know, had some hearing loss, got these things. Um, but obviously, they were in the drawer. They weren't on his body. They weren't in his ears. Uh, and so I started asking questions and, and really learning about what hearing aids were doing well for him and what hearing aids um, weren't, weren't working for him. And, and you know, as a relative a newcomer, very, being very naive to hearing at the time, this is well before Whisper started. I thought it was really concerning that um, a family member of mine was diagnosed with a medical issue um, that's not curable. I knew hearing loss wasn't curable. Uh, and they went to a medical professional and they got help and they were prescribed a medical device. That medical device cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And then they weren't using it. That chain of events just mm -hmm. seemed so concerning to me. Um, yeah, I think it's probably very concerning to a lot of people who experience hearing loss. And so, you know, this difference between being a hearing aid owner 
and hearing a hearing aid wearer or hearing aid user was something that I spent a lot of time trying to understand. And it, and it, and it ends up being a lot of the things that I know professionals focus on when they talk about hearing loss. There's an aspect of it that's about um, one's image and one's uh, you know, acceptance of hearing loss. Uh, there's another aspect that's about product performance. And as someone who has a background in computer science and mathematics, mm -hmm. who's built a lot of technology products, who's you know, lived in Silicon Valley for their entire career, um, that's what I started unpacking a bit. Um, but it all really started from that moment with my grandfather. Yeah, it's interesting because um, this is part of the problem is that, you know, this particular problem, hearing loss, it, it faces a myriad of things that cause um, just low adoption, more or less. Like it might be that, you know, he didn't want to wear them because they made him feel old, right? So you're dealing with the constant sort of pervasive stigma that's associated with this. Uh, it could be that, you know, because I've had a lot of people tell me before about how, you know, that first week, that first two weeks, it's almost uncomfortable because you're rewiring um, your brain more or less. So it's, it's a, a very uncomfortable period of time for some people. And so all these things, and you can add in the price, you can add in, you know, whatever number of different reasons why you can excuse the reason why there's only like 20% of hearing aid adoption for those that need it. And then beyond that, you only have a portion of those people that are even wearing them the way that they should be. So we have to do something about this. Like we really need to address this. And I think we need to address it in a lot of different ways. And that's what I try to do with this podcast is talk through some of those different things, whether it be more incentive around why you would want to wear these things for longer periods of time, or reasons why I think that the whole stigma um, that surrounds it is kind of being chipped away at through a lot of the consumer technology that's coming about. But at the end of the day, I think that it boils down to, are you really seeing um, the value that these things can bring, right? Like, are you actually benefiting in the way that you should? And, um, and I agree with you that it's concerning that, you know, you have these things that we're presenting the solution to, and then sometimes that solution's not really being uh, well adopted. And so I want to kind of get into, you know, so, okay, obviously you have this personal background story um, and I know you've worked in Silicon Valley. It sounds like you were working at Facebook. Um, can you just speak to, you know, whether it be at Facebook specifically or, or any of the other ventures that you were doing? I'm just very, very curious as to like what in your background and in your other fellow co-founders back backgrounds, um, you know, along with the, the whole personal side of things led you to the point where you decided, I want to take a totally novel approach to how a hearing aid might look and feel in the year 2020. For sure. It's a really interesting story. Uh, I would say that for myself and my co-founders, we all have our own unique story about what our inspiration was to hearing. Uh, but, you know, for all three of us, it, inve it, it involves different family members. Um, and that was kind of independently, you know, it wasn't dinner table conversation or uh, let's go grab a beer conversation, but yeah. independently, we had all felt that. And I think the thing that you learn um, at any, uh, that you see and really experience at any uh, company and you know, technology company, especially here in the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley, is what the opportunity for change really is. And that um, you get, a, you have everyone really has an opportunity to bring something new to the table. Um, if there's if there's value at the end of the day for for the for a customer and, and a customer in this case could be either a hearing care professional 
um, or an end user. And so we all sort of at a high level uh, understood this problem, especially um, especially Dwight Crow, um, my, um, who, I, who I met at Facebook. Um, and there was a lot of interest back when this was all being thought of, especially from Dwight, I would say, around how artificial intelligence would really change everyday things. Um, and artificial intelligence, it's still sort of a uh, uh, kind of like magical incantation. <laughs> I like to say I like to say that it's it, it actually matches very much how we um, we as a society spoke about the internet in the 90s. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, when we talked about the internet in the 90s, you talked about modems and IP addresses and servers, <laughs> and that's sort of the language we use, like the AI version of that language. But when we talk about the internet today, we talk about what we want to do, mm -hmm. right? We talk about being able to meet remotely. We use a lot. Uh, we talk about listening to music or sending money, or messaging our friends, right? That's we don't talk about IP addresses every day, right? And AI was going to go through that that similar transformation. Um, you know, Dwight's background. Um, he he worked at Facebook on a lot of uh, on a lot of the marketing and advertising products, um, but he got to Facebook because um, Facebook acquired his last company, which was using AI to accomplish a lot of these similar types of goals. Um, I took maybe a more traditional route out of school, uh, you know, studying software, studying computer science, studying mathematics, and being really interested in working on a lot of products that had a lot of positive impact on people. You know, working with Facebook, working on Facebook Messenger for a number of years, and leading the core consumer product team. And we met Shlomo. Um, Shlomo has a very similar background. His uh, experience personally with hearing loss um, was through his family. And so he understood that. But he had started a number of companies before that were very successful, worked on a number of different hardware applications. Um, originally, you know, he, his, his experience goes all the way back to, um, to, to Israel, where he was originally from. Um, working on a lot of the technology that ended up in the uh, the Xboxes, where you can move, dance in front of them, oh, and track you and play those games. That's that's one of the, the first Kinect. types of technologies he worked on. Yeah, the Xbox Connect. Um, and so we all had this idea and this understanding of how we could put something together to make a difference in this industry. But I think it's it's naive to think it starts there. It's naive to think, well, I have this technology, mm -hmm. I have this idea, I'm going to go change the world. A lot of the early days of the company, um, and this may speak to why we work so closely with hearing care professionals and why we're so passionate about that, is really just understanding the, the problems uh, and the, 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 the challenges that people have with hearing aids. Not just my grandfather, but you know, as an industry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's, there's a, a number of them. Um, some are related to product performance, some are related to uh, image, or one's image when we're using hearing loss on the professional side. Um, you know, direct to consumer was a really big challenge, but you really start to understand that this ideas that we have, that we could make a hearing aid that's going to get better over time, um, that we could use artificial intelligence to also uh, improve the sound processing on the hearing aid directly. Uh, not, not, not to use artificial intelligence so that your, my grandfather could use Siri that, right. you know, my grandfather doesn't really use Siri that much. So it <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't super important. We didn't hear a lot of people who said, you know, I really wanted to use Siri, like go use AI to do that. But what they really <laughs> said is I want it to sound better. Mm -hmm. I care a lot about noise performance. People buy these things and they spend money on them because they really want to, want to not just hear things, but connect with the world. They want to have a conversation with people. They want to have in that, that independence. And so that's the path that we, that we set off on um, when, when we really felt like, hey, this is, a, this is a real thing. And we've been really 
um, fortunate, I would say, to have great investor support to build this company, because as I'm sure all of your listeners know, building a hearing aid from the ground up is not necessarily the easiest thing. <laughs> it takes a really talented team with a bunch of different um, diverse skills, um, but it also takes great investor support. And that's why we've been really happy um, at the partnerships we've had there, not just to have the money and the funding to do this, but also to have the support and the vision that we can really um, make a difference in this space. Yeah, no, I think that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing all that. And I think, um, you know, these new novel approaches to traditional ways that we've always sort of combated uh, the the core issue, I think are really uh, a welcome sight for sore eyes. And my thought is, um, you know, I, I think that what you're doing in terms of kind of unbundling the hearing aid is super fascinating to me. So let's get into the actual product itself. Um, you know, I think this is where a lot of people are going to be really interested in, in really getting an understanding of how this works. So it's basically a three-part system, as I understand it. You have the, you know, the RIC hearing aids, then you have the, the brain, the processor, which I really want to speak to, and then you have the mobile app. So it's kind of a combination of your phone, this um, standalone piece, the processor, and then the traditional, you know, behind-the-ear hearing aids. So can you just speak to kind of like how this system works, and then we'll kind of really dig into different facets of it? For sure. I think... The most important thing, especially for professionals to understand, is um, though we use a lot of new technology and new and bring a lot of new ideas, the end goal that we're trying to achieve um, is very similar to other other hearing aids in that we want people to have a natural, you know, comfortable uh, hearing experience um, through their hearing aids, and that that includes not just what the user does, but also how fitting works and things like that, which I'd love to talk about. Um, for us. I think one of the key things that we identified is that AI would be really important um, to changing, to making a better sounding hearing aid. Uh, it, I like it. I liken it to the change between analog and digital hearing aids that happened decades ago, um, where there's a fundamentally a fundamentally uh, new type of idea, a new type of algorithm, a new type of processing scheme that will drive the next decades of innovation in hearing. That, that's our, our very strong belief. Um, and it's not just our belief. If you look at research, if you look at papers, if you look at how what the forefront of hearing technology and hearing performance is right now, um, a lot of it is in AI, machine learning, neural networks, whatever word you want to use to describe it, uh, it all can mean the same right. thing to me. Um, so, so I think that's the first difference. Uh, and when you unpack that, it, it sort of gets into why we have the brain and how our system works. In order for um, artificial intelligence to be really powerful, to not just be an afterthought, but to be an integral part of the hearing system, fundamentally, the hearing aid needs to have more processing power. I think as an, as an industry, as, as, we, as um, hearing aids have tried to squeeze out more and more performance over time, we've also tried to make them smaller and smaller. And there's a good reason for that. There's a consumer demand for it to be smaller and smaller. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it's hard when you're trying to make things smaller and more efficient, you, you maybe don't ask the question enough times of how do I make things much better? And one of the things that you need to make things much better is uh, a, a larger processor to run these AI models. 
these things that are helping separate out sound, helping produce better noise performance, helping doing all of these things that, that affect the sound. And so that's where the whisper brain comes in. The whisper brain is really a piece of the system that works seamlessly with the, with the um, earpieces. It's not a remote microphone, it's a processor. Um, you can have it in your pocket, you can have it nearby. You don't need to put it on the table or anything like that. Um, it works entirely remotely. And what that is doing is in conjunction with the hearing aids, um, evaluating the sound, the environment from an acoustic point of view uh, and, doing and, and completing different types of processing to using AI to, to get that better um, sound performance. And you know, when, when I talk about having a faster processor or having more capabilities there, um, it's really a, a huge difference. You know, we, inside of the whisper brain, you can imagine there's about, you know, anywhere between a thousand and two thousand times the processing ability in that device. So imagine my grandfather, instead of having two RIC devices, we had the processing power of say 2000 to 4,000 RIC devices, you know, a thousand on each right. ear, right? Right, right? To process sound. If, what would we do with that? Well, we would be able to do so much more. We, you know, just think about how the innovations in hearing that have happened in the past 10 years without AI even. Um, surely the next year, we, in, over the next 10 years, we would be able to do so, so much more. Um, and so we wanted to make it in a format that was really easy for people to use, not cumbersome. So the hearing aids still work without the whisper brain. If you want to go and garden in your backyard, you don't need to manage it and have it, you know, on a neck loop or anything like that. You can just leave it on the front table, just go outside. The hearing aids still have a processor. It still functions very well, um, like any great hearing aid, just with the earpieces alone. But there's a number of situations in the world where we've, um, that elevated performance is really what people are looking for. Um, and that's what the whisper brain is there for. The second aspect I think that's important, um, that's not yet I think as felt because we're, we're still new, is that the whisper brain is really what makes it possible for the hearing aid to improve over time, to mm -hmm. learn, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and we think actually long-term, that's going to be the thing that people really love about our product. Because as you know, every year the big five get up, they announce new products. Some are you know bigger improvements, some are smaller improvements. Uh, for their premium devices, if someone wants to upgrade, they ask another five, six, seven, maybe eight thousand dollars. And for a consumer, that's just like a that's a painful mm -hmm. thing to hear about. If you bought your hearing aids last year, uh, and your the manufacturer announces a new product, you want that benefit, but you don't definitely don't want to spend six thousand dollars again. Right. Um, and not only can we give people that benefit without changing their hardware, but we can give it to them sooner. We can we, we, we think about making updates on the month's timeline, not on the year's timeline. And that has a real advantage to people because it means they're hearing better as soon as that innovation is ready. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of almost liken it to like Tesla, like it's like these, you know, constant updates, you know, and I'm curious. So, with the whole um, brain being something that's constantly learning, it sounds like there's obviously updates that entails, but is there an element of machine learning there too, where it's just picking up over the course of time, like different acoustic environments that you're in, and then it's more or less adapting you to them? Is there an element of that as well? Yes, for sure. Artificial intelligence um, is really what allows us to make the types of improvements the types of upgrades that we're talking about really possible. And so it's it's definitely a core part of the piece. Um, early on, I think 
Um, Tesla is a great example. We actually will focus a lot on improvements that aren't just about the individual, but are about every individual who's using the hearing aid. And, and you can mm -hmm. liken it to maybe, um, you, you know, a great example is, uh, is, you know, going to an airport, let's say. If I go to, you know, I live in San Francisco, so I fly through San Francisco International Airport, though not really anymore uh, right. <laughs> during the present times. But in theory, I used to go to San Francisco International fairly often. And San Francisco International Airport, like lots of places in the world, is our really complex acoustic situation. There's like a Starbucks in the corner, grinding beans, making coffee. There's gate announcements. There's people talking. There's a person speaking to me. There's all of this chaos happening around. And our hearing aid can understand that environment and uh, give us the right data to learn and improve the hearing aid performance in that space. Now, it would actually be a shame if only I got that benefit, right? The next person that flies from, let's say, Denver to San Francisco using the Whisper hearing system, they want that benefit too, even though that may be the first time they've ever been to San Francisco International Airport. There's no reason why we would want to keep that from them. And so a lot of the learning early on that is powered by this AI, um, I really think about this kind of networked idea where all of the devices are helping us ultimately understand the sound in the world, the patterns of sound, the how to break it down, how to understand it, how to improve it for people who use hearing aids. And then the software upgrades are how we deliver that to every hearing aid, um, every Whisper user that uses our product. That's fascinating. I mean, the um, so let's use that analogy and or that example of the San Francisco airport, right? So, you've got uh, a year's worth of users, you know, pre pre pandemic, post pandemic, that are you know high foot traffic areas like the San Francisco airport, and you know, then I come along and I'm a new user and I walk through there for the first time. Um, what exactly is that going to translate to? Is it just going to be that? certain that the way that the certain acoustic environments are shaped it's it's almost going to help to maybe mute um, or turn the the ambient volume down in certain situations i'm just curious like how this actually would manifest itself uh for you know over the course of the data that you have when you really do start to apply that data for any of the new users or existing users that's a great question you know i i want to i think we like to separate out what's happening inside of the hearing aids versus how a consumer might experience it. And what's happening inside of the hearing aid is very complex because there's new data, there's a new understanding of how we might use, um, have better noise performance. You know, if you're sp talking specifically about San Francisco, it's international airport, it's generally a noisy place like all airports. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that are changed and updated and improved to the core hearing aid system whether that's on the AI side or on the traditional signal processing side um, to ultimately achieve better sound performance, whether that's less noise or better signal to noise ratio or any of these key things that consumers want. Now, a consumer won't see all of that. You know, a consumer's interaction with our device, um, they'll hear the difference, they'll experience the difference, but we don't think it's... Uh, it's necessary for them to think through all of these components of the system and sure. understand what, what the AI is doing versus not what the AI is doing, what is exactly from this versus that. Ultimately, they have a relationship with that professional. The professional has fit that hearing aid to them for a specific loss, for specific preference sometimes in terms of what type of sound they like. And so we want to take that. We don't, we don't change that. We honor that. That's why the professional is so important. That's why we rely on them. 
but we use all of the tools and improve all the tools on the hearing aid, like all these hearing aid features and more that, that everyone's used to, to ultimately produce a better sound. So we hope that on a, from a consumer, when they walk into San Francisco International Airport, they just say, hey, this is, you know, I can have a, they maybe don't even think about their hearing aids because right. what they're thinking about is the gate agent they're speaking to mm -hmm. or the Starbucks order they're trying to have. They're just getting the, a better life outcome of it. And so that's, that's what we think you know, for hearing aid users, especially, is what what is really important to them, and ultimately, what's important to the professionals too. I I love that because I think that really what you're saying is that you this will all just be happening in the background; it's invisible more or less. And so, uh, again, going kind of full circle with your grandfather, you know, maybe it's just that that the reason that he's not going to have those just sitting in his desktop drawer is because places like you know the airport now suddenly are an enjoyable experience. Like maybe that was something that was a little bit obnoxious or whatever it might be overwhelming. And so I, I do think this is a really important point that it's sort of like all just magic that's happening in the background more or less. And a lot of it's being done because of the more or less the in the the data that's being captured at a macro level and then being applied, you know, on an individual basis uh, as it as it learns. Um, I think that's an important piece. For sure, yes. And and you know, in the world, the world of sound is very complicated. And there are places where you don't need AI, you don't need anything to make it sound right. You know, in a quiet sound booth with someone yelling at you, you don't need a hearing aid to hear that generally. You know, even if you have hearing loss, you can hear it just fine. And there are some places that are really complex that even if you have great hearing, it's really challenging and those will continue to be a challenge. But what we really see is not just that we have the technology to make the sound experience better for the hearing aid that you buy today, but we have the ability to improve that across a number of different situations in a number of different places in the world over time so that the consumer at the end of the day, what the, so at the, for the consumer, they feel like they bought a hearing aid, it's updating and improving over time. Of course, there may be hardware improvements that will be necessary, you know, better microphones or something like that. But those tend to be much longer term changes than you know, the premium hearing aid from a big five manufacturer last year to this year, those tend to be much smaller changes and things that we can deliver um, in the period of months at a time through these upgrades. So they feel like they're getting the best care. And ultimately for the professional, what I hope is important, and again, goes back to why we work with professionals, is we would rather they focus on the consumer's hearing issue, not on the consumer's hearing aid issues, mm, right? I love and that. And so even though as a hearing care professionals, at least many of the ones that I talk to, they want their patients to have the best hearing technology. They want it to be up to date, but they understand the practicality of asking someone to pay $6,000 every year for a hearing aid, let's say as an example, maybe seven in some places, maybe eight in some places for a premium hearing aid. That's just not realistic. Um, and we agree. And so that's why our, our distribution system is different. The payment model is very different. Um, because we fundamentally believe that equipping the hearing care professional and the end user with the best technology is, is the win-win for everybody. Yeah, this um, is a good segue because I think that one of the other things that really captured my attention is your emphasis on the subscription model. Um, you've already, you know, really already iterated a number of reasons why uh, this makes sense given what you are bringing to market. But, you know, I, I try to always... Um, 
make mention of the fact that like, if you look outside of this industry and you see what's happening, you're noticing that everything is moving uh, more or less in some capacity toward things like subscriptions. And I think hearing aids are a really good example of the type of, you know, this, this kind of completely changes the whole notion of everything. And I love what you said about, you know, this idea of worrying less about hearing aid technology and worrying more about the treating that the actual hearing loss. So can you speak a little bit about this whole SaaS model that you have and, um, you know, maybe some of the benefits to that that you hadn't already mentioned? For sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the benefits, I want to speak about the consumer first, because um, ultimately the pricing and distribution is really targeted around them. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about how the professional is involved with that. For sure. Um, There are really... I think uh, uh, two reasons on the consumer end why this subscription really makes sense. Two reasons that consumers have told us. Um, the first one is a, maybe more of a simple affordability and access issue. Um, many people who use hearing aids are a bit older. I think that's that's pretty known by your audience. And many people who are in that age category may be on fixed incomes, uh, maybe in a number of situations where spending $6,000 for a premium hearing aid all at once today is not is not the most exciting uh, thing for them, even though they have the the long term savings uh, to be able to afford something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, just from a simple affordability point of view, taking the device and making it a monthly uh, cost has a great um, benefit just for access to premium technology. And, and you know, I'm of the belief uh, that if you have hearing loss, it it's so imp- hearing is so important that you, to the extent that you can, you really do want to have. The best technology that that that's practical for that person, um, so it just makes it more practical, I think, and it matches a lot of the other payments and a lot of the other things that they're dealing with, maybe in life, whether that's their cell phone uh, or their internet service, um, and really for a lot of experienced hearing aid users, um, they understand that this hearing aid they're going to be using hearing aids for the rest of their life because hearing loss is not treatable. Um, you know, I liken it to the iPhone. Uh, when you when you buy your first iPhone, you you you're like, oh, it's so expensive, but I'll buy it, and this is the last iPhone I'm going to buy. <laughs> and then, you know, now ten years later, we all have a drawer full of phones that we never use anymore that we've paid up front for, uh, and you're like, okay, I don't need all of these anymore. And hearing aids are the same way. Lots of people who are very experienced hearing aid users, if you ask them, if you go to their home and ask them to see their drawer of hearing aids, they'll open up a drawer, and there'll be you know a decade and a half of hearing aids there. And is that doing any anyone any good? Probably not. Are they excited to add another hearing aid to that list uh, that they're paying, again, $6,000, let's say, for? Probably not either. So I think this is just a simple access uh, issue, too. Um, I think the other, uh, the other aspect and the, maybe the more important aspect on, the, on the, uh, the pricing model and the subscription that we have is it really matches the value of our product at the end of the day. Our product is a hearing aid that gets better over time. It involves the care of a professional. Um, Like you said, when you try a new hearing aid, especially if you're a new user, there will be adaptation. You will want to make changes. Your preferences for how you hear sound may change as you you age. There's plenty of research on that. And so not only do you does it make sense for you to pay for this device that's improving over time? Over time, you want to pay for it over time. <laughs> but also, you're, it's naive to think of um, hearing aids as an iPhone 
or as glasses where you kind of pick it up from the store and then you hope to never go to the store again. Mm -hmm. I think the better model is to think of it as something where there's this collaboration between the professional and the consumer. Uh, and this model better fits into and better explains to the end user what that value is. And you know, we, we hope that, um, we think that professionals really understand that. Now on the professional end, I think this distribution model adds some complexity. You know, the first question mm -hmm. uh, I get asked from professionals is, well, am I earning, you know, am I selling a hearing aid today, but earning this monthly? And, you know, we know that that's very important. Um, how we manage that's very important to the professionals because especially independent audiologists have businesses to run. They have, uh, you know, a, a clinic to keep up, all of these important things. And so we try to, we take a lot of the work out of that. Whereas a professional, when you fit a whisper device, the profit that you earn on that device is given to you upfront. So you, so that hearing care professional, uh, and they don't have to manage the monthly payments. That's something that we work with them and, and we work with the patient to help them do. And so at the end of the day, they're able to offer this new type of idea, this new type of um, model. Mm -hmm. They don't have to deal with a lot of the complexities that come with that, especially the business complexity. Um, because ultimately, I don't think they really want to, and um, nor, nor do they. Well, do we think they should have to? Um, we we take on that burden, and so we think it's a good marriage for solving what the consumer needs are, mm -hmm. but also helping make sure the audiologist continues to be successful in their practice. Well, thank you for walking me through all that. I think that was really really informative, um, and I agree with you. So, you know, regarding the professionals, um, what type of service are they? obligated to with this? I mean, if you, you know, so you fit somebody with a, with a whisper device um, and, you know, I think a lot of the professionals will want to maintain those relationships. So I don't think it would ever want to be just like a, okay, wipe my hands and off you go. Um, obviously there's going to be a level of support, but I'm curious, um, is there packages or something like that um, the professional, you know, how can you just walk me through the service piece of this where um, a patient that's being fit with whisper three months down the line needs some level of support? What, what are some of those options and are they facilitated through your app? You know, how are these things done? Yeah. So we really want to make sure that the relationship between the patient and the hearing care professional stays as the relationship between the hearing care professional and the patient, you know, that stays there and not a relationship where whispers, um, <laughs> where, especially where professionals feels like whispers getting in the way or getting in the middle of that. That's mm -hmm. not where we think our role is. And, you know, it, that would go counter to the whole idea of working with professionals and trusting professionals. For sure. Um, where, when, um, when, a professional dispenses the whisper hearing aid system when they sell the whisper hearing aid system part of the part of what they're committing to like many practices around the US who who have not unbundled let's say is uh, some level of support and i think at a minimum that level of support is what i would say pretty typical uh, a pretty typical standard of care where you do a fitting there's some sort of follow up the follow up can vary in time depending on you know the practices uh, practices um, operational policies and, and care procedures. Uh, and then for us, um, as we give updates, some of those may be best delivered by the hearing care professional, because again, the consumer may may change and we, mm -hmm. we expect that the professional would help do that. Again, because they're trying to maintain, our whole model is about them being able to deliver the best hearing care. Mm. Um, there's also, there's often things in professionals where 
uh, a consumer may want care that's outside of the scope of their hearing aids. You mm-hmm. know, they may need um, earwax Stimular. removal services, as an example. And we wouldn't think of that necessarily as part of the the service that they're delivering. But if we look at you know for for hearing for hearing care practices in the U.S. You know what their whisper profit would be, how that works out in terms of um, their service, how that works out in terms of the subscription. Um, it really should be one of the most profitable systems um, that they have in their practice that they've ever had in their practice. Um, not only because they're delivering a great product and delivering a great service, but they now have a product that helps them differentiate their care, differentiate what they're offering, and differentiate from just a hearing aid sales where they have to answer the question of why. You know, I have a Phonak product here, not to pick on Phonak, I have a Phonak product here and a Phonak product at Costco. Tell me the difference. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it, it, it elevates the conversation and, and gives them an opportunity to educate their consumers about what hearing care really is about. It's not just about a hearing aid sale. What's really, really interesting to that point um, is this idea of differentiation in the market. I think that um, a lot of the theme of this podcast has been you know, I want to identify as many things as possible that I can bring to the professional say like, this can help you to stand out in the market, you know, whatever it might be, even if it's just a subtle new feature that you can, you know, be mixing in, in the conversation when you're having those fitting um, or early consultations, or it's a totally new premise of a hearing aid. And so I think that, I think there are going to be people that are really intrigued by this. So my question is, if you are a professional, how do you get involved? How do you become somebody that's part of the Whisper network? And then when you become part of the network, what what does that entail? I mean, are you in somehow, uh, are you given leads in some capacity? You know, if I go as a consumer to whisper.ai and I want to be fit with one of these or something like that, and I see I have a provider in the area, can you just talk through like what, the network of providers and how that um, process works with you all? Yeah, that's a really great question. We always want to work with great professionals around the country uh, to provide the product. And so the easiest way, if somebody's interested, they've heard about us, is um, they can just email us, hello at whisper.ai. It's a nice and easy email address to remember. Um, Or they can go on our website and there's a professional section where they can fill out a form and we'll um, get back to them, give them a call or send them an email. Um, you know, very, very quickly. Uh, ultimately, when you're signing up to be a Whisper provider, um, you know, I, I don't think it's really that different from when they're a provider of, you know, say one of the big five hearing aids. Um, there's a certain component of it. We want to work with professionals that are excited about what we have to offer because we're really excited about it. We've worked, we work with lots of professionals. It's ultimately not in anybody's best interest if they're signing up and they say, well, I don't really like this product, but let me, let me just sign up. It's important that the professionals are, you know, want and understand the value of whisper. And of course we give them training. We help explain that. Um, we help make sure it's right for their practice uh, in a number of, uh, in a number of different things like that. But, when you are a whisper practice, there's a number of different things uh, that can happen. And it really varies practice by practice by what the practice owner and what those professionals want within that practice. Some practice, some practices, I would say most practices, because they're excited about our product, really wanna make sure that their existing patient, um, patient base under, knows about the product, knows what the benefits are. You know, I think every hearing, hearing care professional has some idea in the back of their mind of the individuals who may be on a four-year-old device, five-year-old device, thinking about upgrades, they're having those conversations every day. 
uh, and Whisper can be part of that conversation and we can help them uh, doing that, whether that's something as simple as making sure they have the right brochures to designing collateral with them, to helping them with campaigns, helping them explain the product, helping them do all this stuff. That's, I think, something that we commit to with all of our practices. There's another level above that where some practices do want um, to take in leads that we have. You know, we have people who reach out to us directly, uh, consumers who reach out to us directly who are excited about it. And we're excited to get those, those people to a great provider. Um, we're excited to get them great hearing care too. And for some, for some uh, practices, that's something that's interesting to them. Not all practices you know, want to take that step, but there are a number who do. And then that's where we can help actually send consumers to that professional for a hearing evaluation. You know, for some of them, they may need a, an updated audiogram or hearing test. Um, they want to do a demo of the hear, whisper hearing system so they can really try it out. So that's also an option, um, but it's not, it's, not a, it's not a requirement, I would say, to work with us. I think the only requirement that they have is that they're excited about what we're doing because we're excited about working with, with great hearing care professionals. I love it. No, that's great. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up, um, what about the mobile app? I mean, is there anything in particular that you want to point out as it pertains to the app? I, I mentioned at the onset, kind of a three-pronged system. You have, again, the hearing aids. You have this independent, you know, sound separation engine, the Whisper Brain, which, you know, I think we've gone through and talked about the value there. Um, and then you have the app. So what aspects does the app facilitate and in, in you know, obviously with apps, you can always be innovating as well. So it seems like along the same vein of being able to constantly roll out new updates, you know, there might be features and functionality that you can build out there. So curious to hear that particular aspect of the solution. I'm so glad you asked about the app because I think it's a, a, a piece of hearing aid product territory that's not often thought about, but really mm -hmm. important. We think is a really important same. touch point for end users, uh, and then ultimately for professionals as well. So I would think of our app, especially as, as we launch um, kind of the basic version of it as a, a more intuitive, maybe remote control for the hearing aid. Something, uh, and I think this is pretty common within you know, the hearing industry today, to be able to change volume, to be able to understand the system's status, battery levels, let's say, um, to change listening programs or environments, you know, these types of things uh, are often much easier for people to do on a mobile phone because the interface is larger. They don't have to reach up and touch their ears or find a button. You know, it's, a, it's more discreet. So you can imagine if you're at a, a dinner table with mm -hmm. guests and you may not want, you may not want to highlight that you're wearing hearing aids. You know, there's nothing that does that like sticking your finger up at the top of your ear and starting to jam it, <laughs> jam in there to try to change the mode or change the, uh, change the volume. You know, a mobile phone is a much easier to understand simple interface. But what I think is, that's the base level of our hearing aid, uh, of our mobile app and what it can do and why I think people will want to use it. There's the level on top of that where it's going to be how we will deliver some software upgrades uh, in the future. And so that um, makes it easier for, especially for consumers who are a little bit more tech savvy who are a little bit more, who don't want or don't need the assistance of a hearing care professional to do that. Um, that's also a benefit and, and relieve some operational load from the professional themselves. And I think that's, that's really important, something we think a lot about. But I think the future of the mobile app is we hope a really great entry point to build a dialogue between the end user, the professional and Whisper. 
because ultimately these are the three components of the system to help deliver great hearing. If the consumer has a, uh, you know, if the consumer microwaves something, if an end user is microwaving something, and then that beeping that happens when they're microwaving them sounds weird. I think it's a little bit odd that they would have to wait to their next appointment um, to bring that up and have some fitting adjustments. And, you know, if those fitting adjustments were to make a difference, they wouldn't really know until they drove home, microwave something again. And by that point, they're no longer in the, 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 the office. They're no longer in the clinic. They can't get help for it. Um, and so there's a lot of simple things about how we can use the mobile app to better build a dialogue to deliver better care, um, better able to understand, you know, even if they person, the individual was able to record a sound of their microwave and share that with their professional, share that with us, um, that I think would have a lot of benefit. And so ultimately what we want, I think the mobile app can be thought of as, as the consumer portal into their hearing yeah. care, you know, that really starts with how they use their hearing aid and, and tune in and do connectivity and adjust battery and all of these kind of day-to-day -day things. But I think our real vision for it is to be a bigger part of the care system that's that's kind of, I feel, missing right now. Um, so we, we hope that to be able to build that out over time. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that um, the whole like, you know, patient professional interfacing piece, the app seems to be the most well-suited, you know, uh, entry point for that. And so to hear that, that's sort of, you know, maybe some of the vision that you have with the app is really, really encouraging because again, you know, for the professionals out there, I think that it just allows them to extend their value and make their value more accessible. And then for the patients, it just allows for them to receive that care wherever they might be. Um, so I love to hear all that super, super interesting product, um, very interesting delivery model and pricing model. So uh, one more time, you know, as we wrap up, share where professionals and people that might be interested as consumers, patients can go to, you know, read more about Whisper and, and get in touch with you all. For sure, yes. If anyone's interested in learning more, I think our website is a great place to start, and that's at www.whisper.ai. That's w-h-i-s-p-e-r.ai. Um, for folks who are interested and in, to learn more, especially the professionals who who listen to your um, show, uh, hello, emailing hello h-e-l-l-o at whisper.ai would be a great start. And to the extent that folks have more questions, feel free to send them in. You know, we love working closely with professionals. We wanna make sure they understand what we're doing. And we wanna make sure they understand why our solution is different. Uh, and so we love having those conversations. Um, we, work very, we work very directly with everybody to make sure they get great support from us. So we, we'd welcome the conversation. Awesome, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.